welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 45 commercial free minutes for patrons. Jam-packed with news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story, vaccination news is dominating the headlines. Every medium, even Twitter, is all about vaccination. I'm not going to tell you the whole story right this second. I will let you, Binkley, lead with some more meaty stuff. But I am getting absolutely uh, dogpiled on Twitter by anti-vaxxers. Anti-vaxxers are furious with me for promoting pro-vax propaganda. You're not going to believe it, but let's let's get some meaty stuff. That is what I'm about to talk a little (laughs) bit about is pro-vax propaganda. That's interesting. There were two more allergic reactions in Alaska to the Pfizer vaccine yesterday, and they were both healthcare workers. One of them had a serious reaction after getting the Pfizer vaccine. They got the reaction minutes after taking the shot, and it was similar to the two cases that were reported last week in Britain, where Britain's medical regulators said that anyone who has a history of anaphylaxis or severe allergic reactions to the medicine or food should not get the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. See, they throw in that part about food. That wasn't emphasized the first time they ran the story last week, at least in the article that I read. But what's interesting about this article is that it starts off by saying that the healthcare worker had the reaction and then it goes into what the British doctor said about you shouldn't get the shot if you have a history of allergic reactions. What it doesn't say until later in the article is it does not say that the person who had the reaction did not have a history of allergic reactions. They kind of threw that in towards the end after making you think that the article was going to be again about don't get this vaccine if you have a history of allergic reactions. And what they also said was that even though this person had a severe reaction, a middle-aged person with no previous history of allergies, and they've stabilized and they're being kept in the hospital and monitored still. But they said during the whole time, she was still enthusiastic that she got the vaccine <laughs> and the benefits that it would give her in the future. This is what the hospital said in a statement, and she is still encouraging her colleagues to get the vaccine. So this is a healthcare worker. So if she doesn't encourage them to get the vaccine, she could very well get shamed and fired. You've seen what's happened to healthcare workers and doctors who even question this stuff. They get blasted by the media. So that's interesting in that they try to make you think, again, that is allergic reaction, history of allergic reactions. And then they tell you this person didn't have that allergic reaction. There's a few things about what's going on here that I I find interesting. The reason I think that people should be familiar with these stories is I get that there's no 100% foolproof vaccine or cure for anything. There's always going to be a small number of cases where the medicine or the treatment did not work out and could have adverse reactions. And from their standpoint, the people administering it or promoting it, they're obviously going to say, well, it's an acceptable loss. It's There's millions of people whose lives that we will save at the cost of, of a few. But the problem is they're making that decision for the people who are at risk themselves. Because in the past, we didn't really hear about these stories. These stories didn't really come out. They got covered up a little bit more, or they could prevent them from getting mainstream news access. But now that's not going to happen. And so, but people still might not recognize that they might be in a high risk group. And I point to that story in the UK last week. Why on earth would two people who had a history of allergic reactions be the first to get a vaccine that they would not be allowed to participate in the trial of? They wouldn't, they could not be in the trial because they're in an 
at-risk group, yet they're in the first group to receive the vaccine. Where's the disconnect there? Why weren't they aware of it? One explanation could be that they simply aren't getting enough reporting on these stories. So these stories need to be told, not to say that it's completely out of the ordinary that there's going to be reactions, but to give the information to the people who might fall into that high-risk group so that they themselves can evaluate and decide if it is a worthy risk for them instead of having someone else decide it. But with that said, I think there's something else going on here. I think there's a possibility that these people having these reactions could be a publicity stunt. The purpose being to downplay the side effects and to normalize it in people's minds so that they're unaffected by these stories and still move forward to getting the vaccine. And the reason that I think that is because these stories are going to get out anyway. In the past, we've seen that they're leaked or a conspiracy theorist comes out with it. And when that story comes out, what it does to the people who are exposed to it is it makes the vaccine company like Pfizer, it makes them look bad. It makes people lose trust and faith in them like we ha- like we see right now. And it gives the narrative to someone else. Who, who, whoever releases the information. So what, what you do now, because there's no preventing it, this information was going to come out. There were going to be stories of people having reactions. It's a matter of who is going to tell that story. I think that these are being put out there on purpose so that the vaccine companies can get ahead of this so that they can reveal this information themselves instead of having somebody else do it so that they can control the narrative and the perception that the public receives. And that perception, I believe, like I said a moment ago, is that, oh, it's downplayed. You see, even the people who are getting the vaccine are still promoting it. And even though they're having a very severe reaction, they're still thrilled they got it and they can't talk. Their faces may be blue and blown up, but they're telling everybody to still go out and get that vaccine. So it's to control the narrative and to prevent someone else from branding them a untrustworthy villain. I think that that's what's going on here. I think these were stunts because why else, why else would a vaccine company, uh, the other explanation would be that they vetted the people who were in the trial, the vaccine trial, far more than they vetted the people who they gave the first vaccine shots to. Oh, that I feel confident. Well, I think that that would be one of the stories, but I don't know that I buy that because they are well aware that the the world is watching and the world is going to have the way they perceive it affected by these stories. So I think they're going to be vetting these first vaccines just as hard. And if they are, I think that you give that you give them to these people who are likely to have a reaction so that you can control the type of reactions you get and the narrative around it. Yes. And I would support that in saying this, that they are making they're calling it this was something i tweeted about they're calling it an allergic reaction so i did actually notice in that article that she had had no prior allergies yeah yeah, so i'm saying it's not an allergic reaction it's a reaction to something to a poison you know what i mean is do you get an allergic reaction to snake venom or is it just a reaction yeah. So they're making it sound like an allergic reaction, which anyone can get to anything. However, I would I would then layer one more thing on there and say, OK, if everybody if if anything someone gets injected into could possibly get an allergic reaction and sure, you know, one in a million people are going to go down um that's when you have to start doing the cost benefit analysis, like with the Moderna thing, where only one in 15,000 people who didn't get the vaccine died. So will one in 15,000 people die of an allergic reaction of this weird thing that has not been widely used? So we don't know how many people have a, quote, allergic reaction to this. 
What's up, guys? With such uncertainty in the world right now, the best way to have true security is by growing your own food. And Neighbors Feed and Seed in Smyrna, Georgia, they got you covered. They offer garden supplies, vegetable plants, chicken feed, bird feed, farm supply, everything your garden or farm needs. They even host a farmer's market on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And right now, for Propaganda Report listeners only, they're offering 10% off of all online purchases at NeighborsFeedAndSeed.com. Just type in coupon code PROP, P-R-O-P, all caps, upon checkout. And if you have any questions, give them a call at 678 678- Six five three eight eight three eight. Exactly. And by getting these stories out there and controlling the narrative around it, you can make people believe that it's just like any other vaccine, or at least what they've been told about any other vaccine. There's a small percentage of people. It's probably not going to happen to you. Nothing to worry about. But the reality is we really don't know. And they've admitted that they do not know. But by getting out there and being, quote, transparent about this, it minimizes the possibility that someone else is going to leak the information about it happening and villainize them, which would make it harder for them to get to that 80% that they want to get to. So another reason for them to vaccinate people who might have a history of that is because they just don't care. They got, they, they needed an outcome in the clinical trial. So to get the outcome they needed in the clinical trial to get approved by the FDA, they needed that 95%. So you make a, a list of groups that cannot be in there because if they're in there, it's going to make it harder for you to get the approval. However, once you got the approval, you just need to get to 75, 80% according to it's Fauci and all these guys. It's not approval either. It's just emergency Emergency use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because approval, regulatory approval means it's approved. It's not approved. It's right. authorized. Yeah. It's allowed, which is different. And when I was reading the stuff about the UK one, it said, I don't know if it said it expressly or it just gave you the numbers so you could do the math, but that one in a thousand people would have this like non-fatal allergic reaction. Who knows how many would have the fatal allergic reaction, right? And that that's like... 15 times as many as the as the Moderna vaccine saved. But in any case, one in 15,000, one in a thousand, you're probably you're probably not going to know. It's like 10 to one odds. You're not going to know anyone who had that really severe reaction. So it's going to feel not important to you. Meanwhile, it could be 20,000, 100,000, a million people who are affected by it. And it's very important to those people. But when you're dealing with such big numbers, a lot of people will just, they can't tell the difference between one in a thousand or one in 15,000 or or a risk that needs not be taken at all. I have zero tolerance for risk that has no benefit whatsoever. Absolutely. You know? I mean, and the and the and the longer term risks are unknown and they will remain unknown if they blow up these studies like they threatening to do by giving the control groups the actual vaccination. Yeah. I am an advocate of finding as much information as possible if you're thinking yeah. about getting this vaccine so that you can make that decision on your own, not l- allow them to kind of make the decision for people, but doing it knowing that they are trying, they are definitely trying to downplay the side yeah. effects of it. So being mindful of the propaganda they're spreading while still gathering information so you can make the most informed decision possible. So here's where my Twitter abuse came in. I, I I'm like always a couple of layers into the onion and i forget it's like that great short story by stefan schweig the royal game where the guy is they and i'm not like flattering myself i'm a chess genius i don't i can barely move the pieces around but 
um, or any kind of genius. But the way he in his story, he this guy is such a phenomenal chess player that even when he plays like the world champion of chess, the world champion is so slow that in his mind, the guy is just playing five other games of chess. He's just sitting there like playing other chess games. And so when he loses to the chess champion, it's because he wasn't even paying attention to the game that that guy was diddling around with. So, uh, and that's a little grandiose of an analogy. But so I was looking, somebody, I saw, I came upon a tweet. I think somebody called it to my attention that said, hey, look, um, I think it was Hotep Jesus. And it says, uh, Allegedly, this is the first COVID-19 vaccination at UMC this week. And then there's this video. It's like 15 seconds long and it shows a person getting vaccinated. Then it cuts to a zoom in and then the syringe in the zoom in is empty. So he can't push it down because there's nothing in it. Okay. Are you following? So, so, but on that little video, the caption is this is the second person who got the vaccination, which was different from what the guy tweeted, right? So I was like, hey, that's how things get debunked, right? You say... Okay, clarify that again. He tweeted a photo of somebody getting an A empty- short video of somebody getting, like, the first person to get a vaccination at UMC. So, so he says this is the first person getting vaccinated, and it's clear... Well, I mean, there's a lot of editing, so it's not crystal clear what it is, but it looks like it's somebody getting a vaccination from a needle that's already been. But emptied. it cut to the close up of the needle. Cut from to the, the close up, but whatever, you know, I don't know. But it just wasn't crystal clear from yeah. the tweet that this was the right thing. So, but in the video, it had just a little blurb flash across the screen that says second person to be vaccinated. And I was like, second person is not the first person. So already, like, you could debunk it right there. Is the accusation that the first person to get vaccinated? Yeah, that's, get that's va- you know. red meat for Snopes. Yeah, but I didn't, I wasn't, like, really paying attention to that. But one of the um, comments was, I administer vaccines and can categorically say this is a load of bullocks, even his injection is wrong. So I just said to that person, is it possible that this guy just used the same syringe twice without thinking because it's the second person, not the first person. So if it was the first person, he wouldn't be picking up an empty syringe. But there are a lot of cameras around. It's a big deal. The governor's probably there or whatever. I don't know. So maybe he just had the wrong thing in his hand. And so anyway, I'm up to like 100 people yelling at me right now as we speak. They just continue to scream at me, even though I'm trying to clarify that. I remember seeing on TV in the 90s, on live TV, like Good Morning America or something, a guy giving the the hosts an AIDS test. And he was so freaked by the lights and the camera and everything. He used the same needle twice to draw their blood. And it like he freaked out on live TV because he knew it would be terrible for his license and all this. And I, it just made such an impression on me when I was a kid. And I found it. I found that episode and I attached it to this to this thread. But then um, people are so mad at me. And then I just finally had to say they're just like, you're promoting the vax propaganda. It's like, hey, man, like I I lost my show shortly after outing event 201. I'm definitely not in on the the vax stuff. But but it was a screwy situation in that they recut, they retook. Apparently, they retook it. They retook that clip 
because like the fr- I don't know what was this a news doing. clip of like a well filmed or was this like it a was CC like a photo op. TV cam? No, no, it was, it was like a, a photo news op. clip. All yeah, right, if it's so- a photo op, here, here's what happens to photo ops if you've never been in a photo op. Uh, and I've been in a lot of them on sets of, of films and TV and professional photo shoots is there's a continuity process. They do it a number of times. The final product that you ultimately end up seeing is one of many that they've filmed and they have set designers that are very specific and detailed in the things that they place in there. And do they miss things at certain times? Yes, they do. However, the final product that you see is typically what is intended for you to see. I haven't seen this video. I don't know what the what happened. I can speculate based on what you're saying that they intended people to see that and then they intended people to put it out there again if this was professional. Of course, it could be a mistake. This is what I think. So, I mean, I don't I don't know for sure, but what I'm looking at is that so somebody sent me that there was a follow up to the story. It got a lot of press that it looked screwy. And what they said was we redid it. Um, There was something wrong with the first take or something like that. So we redid it, even though the syringe was already empty, but the nurse was vaccinated or revaccinated or whatever. I don't know. My point is that they did bring the story up and there was supposedly an innocent explanation. And my point on this stuff is when you focus on stuff that could be out of context, you're setting yourself up to yes. be debunked. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I and did discredited. not express that at all, and I I completely got agree. And <laughs> this is this is a problem in the quote conspiracy community or alternative media Truth. community is that when we jump to the worst possible worst possible explanation for something, the most evil explanation immediately, and we just skip over all the other possible explanations, then we put ourselves up for a target to be completely discredited by the media. We must try and attempt to debunk our own hypothesis harder than they would so that we know all of the explanations and all of the attacks they're going to make upon us so that we can defeat them. So we must be our own biggest criticism. And the big red flag is when something is cut so tight that you really cannot have the contacts. Yeah. Ever since getting to know the people and products at True Hemp Science, I have made CBD products a highly rewarding part of my life. From muscle rub to body lotion to CBD oil and my absolute favorite, gluten-free brownies, I have incorporated CBD products into my own approach to personal well-being. To find out more about CBD products in general and True Hemp Science products in particular, including their latest offering of gummies, check out their website and request a free personal consultation at truehempscience.com slash prop report. This could also be a situation of facts are facts and truth is truth. When you're on the set of a movie, you don't eat a hamburger every time during every cut. You don't take a sip of the actual drink every time during every cut or every shot. It's an empty cup. Oftentimes, sometimes you do drink out of it. But this could be a person who got the vaccine already. And this could just be the filming of what had already happened. The dramatizing. That's what 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 I actually thought they were saying i mean they may that's what it sounds like to me i mean i got so many responses i was just spent the entire morning trying to like tell like explain to every single person that i wasn't yeah they're not i wasn't like attacking anti-vaxxers it was so annoying they're not randomly selecting people and just film that guy and and put it on tv they're selecting people that have the stories and that represent the demographics that are going to influence others to get the vaccine so if someone got the vaccine that fits that demographic they're going to shoot this as many times as possible film it until they get the right one right and if they were really 
if, if, I mean, the implication was every healthcare worker that the vaccine, they're not actually giving it to these people. Right. I mean, that's what it was. It was an empty thing. They're not actually giving. They are actually giving. That's the problem. If they're not actually and they would have just put saline in there or water or whatever. If they you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they could not. If they wanted to get away with that, it would have been so easy to just yeah. put literally water in it. Yeah, I completely agree with your sentiment there. If we jump to those conclusions, we are going to win no friends and influence people. And here in the, the arguments. Thing. I was just I was literally asking a simple question of a person who said they were a professional. I was like, is there any chance it was a mistake? A hundred people started screaming at me. I was and like, that is I a testament. Can't even ask a you know, question. That is a testament to that is how you can debunk any legitimate concerns or get people not to listen to legitimate concerns about the vaccine when you can point to look at all look at all these people who overreacted and assume this when here's this perfectly simple explanation. I mean that could be a setup as well. I, now I'm That's not saying, what I was thinking. Yeah. It's a setup. That's what I was thinking because then they they debunked it immediately on the news by saying, oh no, it was just a retake. This guy had the vaccine. See, oh yeah, I think it was a it was just a setup to make it look like all these stories are noise yes and that that plays right in with what i was thinking the reason they would have these publicity stunts yes showing that's why it really rang reactions. a bell to me yeah. uh, that that's exactly what i was experiencing in real time shifting gears a little bit here oh i have to give one shout out though okay good mr sisquatch had my back the entire time like i wasn't even aware of mr sisquatch yeah he was in there he was in there fighting. It's like, you don't know. You don't know. She's not like that. She's no, she's a good yeah. guy. You know, it was you very got nice to question your it's own like, there has theories. To be a she said that. Yeah, yeah, we got to be more critical of our own theories than they are, because we know we're going to get attacked hard and we know that we have to be able to respond to those attacks and those arguments. And we'll never know what arguments are coming at us with that we'll be blindsided by them if we do not vet it and criticize the whole thing ourselves and look for alternative possibilities. I'm sorry you're experiencing that. That's this was a, a really, it was an intense experience this morning. But I have to say, unlike the old days when getting completely like bitch slapped on Twitter was upsetting to me, I, this time it's just, it was kind of not be taking funny. It, well. it wasn't funny, but it was definitely like, I'm not taking it personally. Yeah. It was an interesting experience. Although it is interesting. My, the, my, the strong way that people going. feel about it. And people do feel strongly yeah. about it. And people are uncertain about it. And they should be. They're like they sh People should be asking questions about it because there are real concerns and they want to downplay the concerns. But people should be able to get access to the information they need without being shamed. And so they can I make an important decision. Like it just compounds the problem. Like they overreacted to the original tweet and then really overreacted to me. And I was being totally misunderstood. You know, I can testify that that nobody was using critical thought because nothing I said could have been pro-vax because I'm not. Yeah, you absolutely. You're not. So there's a bipartisan effort right now, a potential COVID-19 relief bill that will provide, quote, essential protections for tenants who are behind on rent. Now, this coincides with the CDC eviction moratorium that is ending on January 1st, which will put hundreds of thousands of Americans across the country out on the streets. They will be homeless. They will be in situations where 
might not have as much access to food. They will be in situations where even if they don't get COVID, they're more likely to get exposed to it and be labeled as somebody with COVID. This is the whole idea behind the moratorium is people are going to go to places where they're cramming into houses together. They're going to be on the streets around people too closely, and they're going to spread the disease more. And it really is messing up a lot of people's lives, these potential evictions. And I understand from the other side as well, especially a small-time landlord who is not getting money and somebody's living in their place rent-free right now. It's a tough situation. Maybe it's a retired person who owns only a few apartments and can't sustain. Like, I'm very suspicious of these laws. I'm not belittling what you're going to say, but these laws are bad. What I don't like about this is that the Wall Street massive landlords some of the most corrupt yeah, ones yeah. in the country oh, that, who get class action lawsuit after class action lawsuit against them, but they're so they wealthy they can, they can overcome them, is these companies are only getting richer during this. And these are the ones that are going to be evicting most of the people. These are the ones that are already threatening to evict people as soon as this is over and trying to evict them right now and losing. Because there are some places where the rents are going up, so they want those yep. people out. So... The people that are going to be eligible under this bipartisan bill, if it passes, are households that, if the household income is below 80% of the of the area, the median in- income in the area, if they have qualified for unemployment benefits, or if they have lost part of their income or have experienced financial hardship due to, due to COVID-19, or they can show they are at risk of losing their home. And the new legislation will allow landlords or utility companies to apply for the funds directly, so the money will go to the landlords to pay the rent directly. That way, it doesn't go to the people, and the people use it for something else. That's the argument behind that. And it would extend the moratorium to the end of January if this is the one that passes. I was thinking about this. What this does, what this is an example of, in my opinion, is this is a perfect example of the powers that be creating a problem that causes people who otherwise might never want to accept government assistance putting them in a situation where they have no choice but accept government assistance because it's so urgent and pressing that this is their only solution. So they create the problem, then they say, here I am as the solution. You said you were small government. Ha 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 ha. Not now. Look at you now. I'm the only one that can save you. So I think this pushes people who might be liberty oriented into having to submit because of the difficult situation that they have been placed in because of all these policies. This was what I was alluding to last night in our really fantastic and uplifting conversation with Carr, Bird, and Schilderberg, yeah. which we'll, we will release to patrons on Christmas Eve and then to the general public. That was the cheeriest conversation between libertarians I've ever been a part of. Well, because it was hopeful and forward-looking. It was fantastic, real practical. We'll have to get Carr back on to talk about the specifics, but it's it was really, really good. But one of the things I was telling them about was a friend of mine who, or a guy I know, who has 13 kids and got, uh, and maybe facing, yeah, jail for keeping his Irish pub open for St. Patrick's Day back in the day out here. And he uh and I I I think the guy probably has plenty of money in the bank, but if he didn't, we are nine months into this. This is a Catholic guy, obviously. I'm sure he doesn't believe in uh 
stealing from other people at the point of a yeah. gun to feed his kids, but he's been prohibited from feeding himself. And he might just out of desperation have to take money for food for the kids because you have to. But this is a classic mob tactic, for example, like, yeah. oh, you know, we're going to break your windows unless you pass to stop breaking your windows and then we own you kind of or whatever. You know, maybe that's not the perfect example, but the mob does stuff like that. And then this classic Otto von Bismarck telling the Kaiser at, during the Industrial Revolution when people were actually getting some surplus wealth going and feeling like they did not have to... uh that they were feeling independent. They were feeling empowered. And Bismarck said, look, you've got to tax them and give them unemployment insurance, social security, whatever he was calling that stuff at the time, so that they love you in their dependence. So yeah, the, exactly. right, that was the very beginning of the welfare state. The whole premise was first to impoverish, then to make dependent. Yeah, put them in a situation where they have no other options. And that's what people need is that people need other options so that they don't feel the fear and pressure and they have to turn to the very people who cause the problem that they're in. Yes. And I actually wonder because the welfare state emerged during the Industrial Revolution. And we're always told from like the English point of view, you see David Copperfield, you see Oliver Twist, you see all these stories from that era, the Charles Dickens stuff that has that has like the poor orphan, um, all that kind of stuff in it. And you think the welfare state emerged during the Industrial Revolution because People were impoverished and alienated from the land and stuff. But, I mean, this might be an avenue of thought to explore because the German example is that that the Industrial Revolution was not something that 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 was something that was actually going to be a gateway to independence. So when like they talk about bringing factories to third world countries and it's exploitative and stuff, it may be the thing that frees these people from poverty. And that's why it's objected to yeah exactly yeah it disempowers all about disempowering because it justifies the existence of the powers that be i got two quick things to leave you with if that's possible for today's yeah, we've show got time. edward bernays in most of his books he has in one offline about communist propaganda sometimes out of nowhere he kind of throws it in I want to read to you what he says in this one particular book that he wrote. It's a good book. It's called Public Relations, which he created that name because propaganda developed a bad reputation, that term did, so he changed it. In the book, he says, At the outbreak of the revolution in 1848 in Europe, socialism found modern exponents in Karl Marx and Frederick Engels. Their communist manifesto influenced greatly the development of modern history, and in order to combat communism, the public relations techniques of the Communist Party should receive the careful study of all those interested in preserving democracy. I'm going to read that last part again. Yeah, or summarize it. The public relations techniques of the Communist Party should receive the careful study of all those interested in preserving democracy. Now, he says that in all of his books. I find that interesting because he rarely – in fact, he never elaborates on it. He never elaborates mm -hmm. on it. He just says if you care about preserving democracy, you better, you better learn about communist propaganda techniques. And I find that interesting because what we're seeing right now – I'm not saying it's just communists that use it. I should be clear. Anybody can oh, use I these techniques. Oh, I feel like he's telling you to use it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because he does. He, descri he describes the same tactics that they use, like front organizations, co-opting organizations. I'm very excited. I have a response. Go ahead. I have something to say. <clears throat> 
it's possible that they knew way back when because Brzezinski wrote the crisis or had collaborated on the crisis of democracy, but they, but Edward Bernays, his very existence as a government agent reveals that they knew back then and before then that in order for democracy to quote work, you had to propagandize people because for them working means it can't F up our scene. Yeah. Right. So for democracy to work, you have to control how people vote. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to to take, you know, it doesn't work if they're just thinking for people to have, for people to make the right choice. You have to take away the wrong choices. (laughs) (laughs) Stove piping, the cornerstone of democracy. Yeah. Think about that because communist propaganda, all propaganda really, but communist propaganda expressly from Lenin himself, Leninist Marxism, deception. It's based on shedding your communist colors and pretending to be something that you're not, your contrary law of democracy, pretending to be a Republican because you know you can use it as a vehicle of power, pretending to be a Democrat because you can use it as a vehicle of power so that you can co-opt those organizations and the power that come with it and the influence. And it's about organizing. It's about deception and organizing around the country and infiltrating and taking over. This is going on right now around the country, but people are so focused on the wrong thing. They're so focused on the, quote, enemy propaganda on the bold-faced, obvious lies from the other side when what they really need to be evaluating and criticizing are the people who are influencing them to feel and react in that way. Because if I'm a propagandist and you hate Donald Trump, getting you to do something, I'm less like, or getting you to believe something, I'm less likely to be effective if I get Donald Trump to say it than I am if I get Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden to say but it. But really, you. it's the, the more obvious example is the opposite, is to have Trump who tells people the completely wrong thing from what they think they are. Yeah. And they do it because they believe in him. It's the whole cult of personality thing. Let's, uh, we've got lots more to talk about in the patron 15, including a new arrest in the Epstein case. And I think I know what it's all about. It's that modeling agent. I told you about a long time ago who disappeared. They found him, they arrested him. And I'll tell you what I think about that. All right. And I will tell you why there are a bunch of empty chairs outside of the Georgia State Capitol today. One quick parting note, Major League Baseball officially is beginning, is going to recognize Negro League statistics. The baseball league that was playing before Jackie Robinson entered Major League Baseball, and they are now officially, the statistics are going to be part of MLB, and that changes the first baseball team to exist in Atlanta, which was the Atlanta Braves before this recognition. The new first team... Wait! You're saving this for the patron 15, No, I'm telling now. Okay. The first Major League baseball team in Atlanta was named the Atlanta Black Crackers. I find that to be an interesting headline that was in the AJC. Just the I know somebody needs to be offended by that, but I just But how can you be offended? It's a straight up story. (laughs) I don't know the name. Right. Like I don't know who's more offended by I just can't. It shows you how language evolves over time, I think. You guys can find your drive time news blast every week afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform at the Propaganda Report Podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report become a patron. Also, you can find us on Rockfin where we do deep dive videos where we pull the curtain back on the panel discussions where they talk about how they're going to shape and control the world. The two we're featuring right
right now are the panel discussions featuring the major propaganda, pro-vaccine propaganda that's going on. We will talk to y'all later. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.